Welcome to the Zero Hour Podcast, sponsored by Beecher Madden, the podcast that gives you the insights, techniques, and tools into top guests from the cybersecurity, governance, forensic, and data world. Welcome to the latest episode of the Zero Hour podcast and your host today is Carla Reffold. We are joined by Liar Arbel, who is Performentors Group General Manager for Europe and North America and Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer, a focused and driven security executive with nearly 20 years of IT security industry experience. Leo started at IBM where his passion for information technology grew. Previous roles included moving to a startup, Port Authority Technologies, offering a data leak prevention solution. Port Authority Technologies was acquired by WebSense, which is now Forcepoint, where Lior continued to work for the next eight years, ultimately overseeing the company's strategic data security solutions department as senior director. Hope you enjoy. Lior, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, my pleasure. So tell us a little bit about you, where you were born, where you grew up. So I was born in Israel uh, in the early 70s, uh, grew up in a small town uh, just above the Dead Sea, where my uh, father used to walk, uh, and then later on I moved to the biggest town in the south of Israel. Uh, it's a town called Be'er Sheva, uh, which basically is connected to uh, the Bible, Abraham days, uh, was there until the age of uh, 12 and then moved to a small, uh, in a way, village uh, not far from there. Uh, I'm uh, of a family of uh, uh, four kids. So I'm uh, the third one in the family and was uh, the youngest for 10 years until my uh, small brother was born. Uh, which uh, was great because uh, being uh, the smallest sometimes have advantages but sometimes not so having a smaller brother uh, actually makes sense uh, and uh, was good addition to the family uh, so yeah that's uh, I moved to the UK by the way about 12 years ago uh, following uh, an acquisition of a startup that I was working for and I love it so do you think you'll stay stay with us? Yeah, yeah. Well, honestly, if it's up to my wife, uh, uh, yeah, she likes... Well, Israel is, uh, is still home. But home, I, I always say home is where you are and where your family are. So my kids are now at uni. I have uh, triplets. They just celebrated uh, 21 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they're all now starting their third year in university, so their life is here. So now they are, we moved when they were nine years old. So uh, from their perspective, most of their life uh, they spent in the UK now. Uh, so definitely from that perspective, uh, they are trenched into, uh, into the UK. Uh, I really love it here. I'm not, uh, I'm not fan of uh, living in a, Hot environment. Uh, it's great to go for an holiday, but when uh, specifically in my line of business, when you're supposed to meet clients, uh, well, pre-COVID, <laughs> when you're supposed <laughs> to meet clients a lot, 
Uh, I like the weather here. I like the culture here. I like the small calm. Israel is a bit tense. Still, again, as I said, home. But uh, so, yeah, from my perspective, uh, definitely planning to stay. Good. Well, I, I think we're very pleased that you're here. So tell me a little bit about your education. Oh, that's uh, that's quite a journey. So uh, I started my education uh, uh, following 12 years in, uh, in uh, you know, primary and secondary school and uh, started in the university in the town that I was uh, growing up at, Beersheba. Uh, I tried to be to uh, be accepted to computer science, uh, but at first I was accepted only to uh, business and economic. That was my second option. Uh, started that for a year, uh, and honestly was bored. I didn't like the subject, uh, specifically finance and uh, statistics and all of that. So decided to. Uh, reapply for uh, computer science, which then I got accepted. Uh, the challenge was that the program is actually mathematics and computer science, uh, which in a way the first year you learn together, and then the second year they take the top 200 uh, students and they continue with computer science and the rest continue, continue with mathematics. Unfortunately, I wasn't at the top 200. And I definitely didn't see my future in mathematics. So, and I also got married at the time. So basically to support uh, the family while my wife, which was also a student, uh, will finish her degree. She started uh, a couple of years ahead of me. So I stopped and uh, actually find a job. Uh, uh, at first was... Uh, uh, into uh, computer training. So basically I was working in a training center, uh, teaching uh, schools, teaching adults, uh, etc. Then uh, after that, I actually started to work for IBM and I took started uh, evening lessons in uh, a college in Israel for software engineering. Honestly, I don't know why I was so keen on software engineering and stuff or computer science because I'm not a person that can sit uh, on his behind for many hours. <laughs> I need I need the interaction. I need to talk with people. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I started that, learn it. Uh, the program is for four years, learn it for three years, and then uh, uh, the triplets uh, were born. So... Well, we had to move a city to get support from the family. And then I started to continue my degree in the Open University in Israel, which was a, a, a program for computer science and management, uh, which was another few years. And then I just decided to drop computer science completely and just uh, finish my uh, bachelor degree in uh, management. In total, it took about 12 years. Uh, so I'm not uh, very proud of it, but I made it. Uh, it was quite a journey. And this is why when uh, I moved to, so I had a dream to do a, a, a master's in uh, law. Uh, but then that changed also. And basically I did my MBA recently. I just uh, finished it last year. 
the graduation summary was supposed to be uh, last Friday, but unfortunately due to COVID it got canceled. So I will be in a graduation summary next year, but uh, I did my MBA and this time it was uh, two years, uh, very tense. Uh, it was an executive program. So uh, over weekends and uh, sometimes weeks was a massive, massive pleasure, a great experience, great program. Uh, met some very interesting people, which I'm uh, happy to say that uh, are friends for life. So, yeah, that's uh, that. That was compared to the to the undergraduate. Uh, that was in a way easier. Two years done, and yeah, I'm happy. I actually really like that that journey because there's so much pressure on um, people who want to enter the security industry these days to go get a computer science degree. And even then we're saying that's not good enough. You know, it has to have experience or a security qualification. And I think showing people that have come into the industry without that background is is pretty powerful. Yeah, I can tell you that uh, actually that uh, so my journey into security was uh, so I, I I want to say someone gave me an opportunity. So I, I never touched computers uh, before I was uh, 21. I didn't. I wasn't uh, one of those kids that was playing with computers since uh, they were 12. I had a friend like that. He's now uh, a founder of uh, an amazing startup uh, in the US. He was uh, playing with computers since he was 12. He was doing uh, uh, electrical engineering, uh, etc. So. I wasn't into computers, uh, really. I was actually started to work with computers uh, basically by a decision that I have that uh, besides uh, high education, I need some occupation. And I actually got it in, uh, in, uh, in the job center in Israel. I went and I looked for uh, some practice or some job that I can do while uh, studying. And uh, they offered me a few. Uh, I must say I consulted my dad and uh, the, the verdict was uh, start the computer. It was more of a hardware technician. This is also how I started in IBM. And actually one manager in IBM that I'm grateful for him to this day, basically one day approached me and say, uh, that uh, IBM are looking to open uh, a security department for non-IBM products. And if I would like to join, I never touched security in my life before. Uh, and this is how I started. So I've been trusted. I've given, I was given the opportunity. And this is what I'm uh, actually since then trying to do in my new uh, roles uh, to give opportunities to others. Now, just touching on IBM, you know, Performanta is much smaller than IBM. I think most companies are much smaller than IBM. Yeah. So um, what do you what do you like about being in a, a slightly smaller organization? Oh, uh, I would say almost everything. So it's, it's really a, a completely different experience. You know, that uh, IBM, uh, I think the, the best thing we'll say uh, about that is uh, I'm very passionate about what I'm doing and I'm very uh, interested into growing, okay? And uh, I started in IBM uh, as an hardware technician, which from the, de the department that I was working for was the, basically the, 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 the most basic role in, in, in that department. 
And I made some progress. And then when I moved to security, then I actually became a manager. And I look into what's the future look like. And, uh, you know, there is a story inside IBM that says that IBM is like a golden cage. That every year that you stay, the bars become thicker and thicker. So you cannot leave. And, 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 and it is indeed the case. You know, there is a lot of benefits in IBM. It's a steady environment, et cetera. But I looked into my, into my manager and my manager, manager, and even his manager. And I said, what influence do they actually have? What decision they can actually take? And because IBM is so big, the answer was almost none. You know, if they wanted to recruit people, it, it was all about, uh, you know, if we have an headcount or not. If they wanted to give bonuses, it was uh, the company decision whether there are bonuses or not. Uh, so that's, that's, again, the bad side. Uh, but uh, from a performance perspective, for smaller organization, really smaller is better. You have agility. You have care, you have the ability to influence, uh, you know, if you want to make uh, changes and uh, what we call transformation, it's happening much faster, uh, definitely much uh, tighter relationship with your clients and with your employees. And I must also say there is no fat, you know, we cannot, uh, so because a smaller, so this is the, the only challenge that I see in a small company is budget. So how much money you can actually uh, have in order to uh, make changes. And of course, IBM have a lot. And I think also on that side, you know, and this is one of the main reasons when I left IBM is I was working on, again, on non-IBM security products uh, like Checkpoint, Cisco, uh, you know, uh, uh, Fortinet, et cetera. And I was working on a project that, from my perspective, it was a large project. It was about, uh, I think it was, if I remember correctly, two or three million dollars, which you consider, you can, can say that this is a large project. IBM, of course, uh, are looking into much bigger projects. And I was uh, fighting to get resources. I, I was fighting to get answers, uh, to get uh, the right uh, people, etc. And then uh, my boss actually came to me and, and said to me something that that really broke me from the person that I am. He said, Leo, why are you fighting so hard? Win or lose, that will not have an effect. This is IBM. And for me, yes, that, that's not the company. Uh, of course, you know, listen, it was his opinion. Of course, I'm, I'm sure that uh, if someone from IBM will hear that, he will say, no, this is not definitely not the IBM uh, message, but it was the message that I got from my boss at that time. And for me, it was definitely the wrong message. Uh, so, yeah, and, and, and we had people in the department that came to the place of work. They didn't really come to work. They did the bare minimum. And you see them there year after year after year. In a small company, those people uh, cannot survive and will not survive. No, no, I can agree with that. Culture-wise, you know, Performanta has quite a strong, or at least from the outside, quite a strong company culture. You guys call yourselves the Purple Tribe. So what, what makes up that culture? Oh, you know, first of all, the people, you know, the, it's the people and, uh, and the management that are, 
meanwhile. But I will say the first thing that uh, basically join us together uh, from a trial perspective is uh, care. So there is uh, definitely care about our employees and our and, and, and our clients. Uh, we the reason I joined Performanta. So I, I worked for a vendor before. Uh, Performanta uh, was an exception for me from a uh, from my perspective, uh, working for a vendor, looking into the channel. Uh, so I definitely saw that care. I definitely saw that uh, people that are professional uh, that wants to see value. There is definitely passion for security uh, for all of us. You know, if you cannot do security without the passion. Uh, there is the fun element also. You know, we are trying to do our best to make sure that uh, besides uh, working out and we do uh, specifically in this uh, crazy market that, uh, you know, that the challenges never stop and the resources are limited and uh, you, you need to work with what you have. So that's something that we, we make sure that people work out, but also have some fun. And there is a care, for example, Every uh, year I'm doing a Christmas party or end of year party uh, for the employees and I always invite their partners. And I had a few guys told me that, listen, we are in this industry for 10 years, 15 years, etc. We never had a company event where our partners are invited also. So we'll see what happens with uh, this end of your party with COVID and everything. But uh, that's something that I uh, am doing for really from inception of uh, the company in, in the UK. And we definitely have also the open door policy. Well, actually, uh, most if not all the executive, uh, of course, HR and finance, because they are dealing with very sensitive information. They have offices, but all of us sitting with employees in the open office so we don't really have a door <laughs> so i think inviting partners is a is a great thing people don't do that but i think this year if, if more than any other you know we've maybe come to understand that your family is part of your work decision as well and actually including them and making them happy about where you work is, is probably a really important part of making an employee happy with where they work yeah, so I can tell you that now that uh, when the government came with the eat out to help out uh, uh, program, we actually said, oh, you know, people were, were working from home for months, etc. So basically, we issued a voucher uh, to all employees and say, listen, uh, take your family, friends, whatever you have, go out. Uh, First of all, we help the economy. Second, yeah, you need you need to have some some kind of relaxation. I'm happy to say also that in this crazy time, you know, we didn't uh, we didn't have to cut salaries or or you know put people in furlough, etc. We actually grew, so that's definitely helping also from you know uh, people are uh, people are afraid. You know, I I, I will say that uh, although of course I'm. Uh, uh, one of the owners, uh, so that's different. But uh, but still, you know, I'm afraid uh, I have responsibility for the people that work for me. Uh, and and these crazy times, you know, to be able to, uh, in a way, guarantee. You know, we, we, no one knows what will happen. And now with the with the new restrictions, uh, it is it is a challenge. But to be in a position that we are 
almost able to guarantee the employee their uh, stability at work and safety at work. That that's the biggest pleasure that I can have. So how um, how has the company culture adapted to twenty twenty? It sounds like it stayed pretty strong. Yes, you know, uh, for example, we are doing so today at uh, twelve o'clock. We have a weekly call with uh, with the team uh, where we are playing games, having some fun, telling jokes. Uh, so it had it had an effect because specifically in the, in this industry, each one have his own area of expertise. So being in the office and uh, you know, if you have a challenge, you just raise your hand or something, and someone will be there uh, to help you. And now I'm all day long uh, having Zoom meetings and team meetings. It's 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 it's, it's crazy. So we we decided that we must uh, keep connection, and and therefore we are doing this weekly call uh, for one hour where we just uh, forget about the business, forget about uh, the challenges, just having fun, laughing. I think it's important. Very. Well, if you've grown, it sounds like the company's done quite well this year. This year too, so we hear that a lot with the security industry that actually all those sort of challenges of moving to work from home has has been good almost for the security industry. Yeah. Have you have you had any challenges, or has it has it actually been a positive story? Yeah, so definitely challenges because if you look at it, uh, <clears throat> so. So there are very industries that have been impacted. And by that, and some of them, of course, is our clients. Uh, so the, the retail industries, the, you know, the hospitality, et cetera. And that, of course, affects their supply chain. So we have insurance companies. So, you know, if businesses are being closed, so they will travel. Uh, people are not traveling, so less insurance on that. People are driving less with cars, so... So that affects everyone, and it's also affected us, of course. But uh, from the security industry perspective, and the cybersecurity, we do see so we do see some advantages in a way. So people are working remotely, uh, working from home. So this is where you know uh, we are coming more as an uh, enabler. So for many years, security was. Uh, uh, at least in inside organization was the blockers, you know, why do you block my access to this website? Why I cannot download this uh, file? Uh, we definitely see more uh, what we call business email compromise uh, attacks or phishing attacks that are targeted. And we now see it more around login to collaboration tools or so fake login pages uh, that people are getting in and then, you know, they steal the credentials and then they are in the network, et cetera. So, uh, and customers are now much more open to uh, supporting them remotely and potentially to outsource uh, because they had to uh, cut resources. Uh, they had to find new ways to work and still in a secure way. So we have some clients that for years insisted that we will do the work on site. And, and the, the joke between us is, well, I'm coming on site to your office, but actually the system is in the data center. So I'm working on that remotely anyway. So what's the difference? No, we want you here. So for years, they just want us uh, on site, which of course we're happy to do. It just creates some challenges with the resources, traveling. You know, sometimes it's, you need to travel for half a day in order to get there and then 
Uh, now, demo open. Uh, we do projects globally, remotely. We uh, support clients, you know, 24 seven. Uh, so that, that definitely uh, makes a difference and, and makes the security a bit more uh, in the focus, I would say, of executives. Now, you have clients in over 50 different countries. So have you seen any differences globally? Uh, some countries were affected more than others, but uh, in the general idea, not really. So, you know, well, everyone have the same challenges uh, that they need to address. Uh, it, it's something that I believe that uh, actually, uh, in a way, make everyone the same. So, you know, uh, everyone are, are basically dealing in the past, you know, so let's say if it's uh there were some challenges locally to some industries. For example, GDPR came, so of course everyone in Europe uh, had to deal with it. The US, although it does affect them, basically ignored it. Uh, so now, now yes, people are uh, basically dealing with the same challenges, and uh, and therefore the fact that we offer managed services actually allow them to uh, potentially get uh, to oh us uh, actually. To offer them similar services that uh, maybe in the past uh, we couldn't. Uh, the cloud, uh, the cloud definitely helps uh, all of us, uh, both clients and and ourselves, with uh, offering something uh, better, being more agile, uh, more flexible, uh, with all the jurisdictions, etc. What do you think we're going to see next for security over the next sort of twelve to eighteen months, perhaps? Uh, I, we we do see so one of the uh, one of the things that we specialize in is uh, data data protection data governance classification we do see an eye on that as uh, simply mainly because people are now working remotely and we saw and some clients you know when people started to work from home and there were some challenges about connecting remotely people sending a lot of sensitive data into their own uh, private accounts, which in a way was understandable because, uh, you know, they needed that data to work, but on another way, it uh, violates some very important regulations that put uh, customers at risk. Uh, funny enough about security, you know, it's, it's, so I worked for a vendor for eight years and in that vendor, I was uh, I participated in many industry events, uh, but mainly as a presenter. So either standing in our booth or standing uh, in the event itself, or giving a lecture. So for many years, for eight years, I actually didn't participate as a delegate. And when I left the vendor and I joined Performanta, uh, and that was eight years ago, I started to participate as a delegate. And I found it surprising that we are still dealing with the same challenges. So it's not that the challenges changing, it's potentially the solutions are changing. So mobile devices were a problem 16 years ago and are still a problem. Uh, you know, remote access, uh, privileged users, uh, data protection, antiviruses, phishing attacks. So I think that, that the direction or the move will be more about the solutions that will become more mature, that potentially will uh, provide better 
answers to the client, uh, but the challenges potentially, of course, with the fact of working from home that created the biggest challenge for everyone, I think they will remain the same. Now, with, with new solutions, and we see this a lot at the moment, that you know it can be a little bit hard to stand out when, when new things come out. Um, you guys seem to manage it, so how do you do it? How do you make sure you stand out in the industry? Yeah, so I, I must say, uh, looking into the solutions that exist in the market, it, it's, it is very challenging. Uh, first of all, first of all, for us as uh, experts uh, in the market, trying to bring value, I'm getting calls almost on a daily basis with a new supplier that would like to work with us, and this is, you know, Performanta, which. Uh, <clears throat> uh, which we are still small. Uh, I'm just thinking about the clients uh, that are getting so many uh, calls from potential vendors and everyone. So if you're looking in a way for every challenge, there will be multiple solutions out there and everyone will claim that they are the best, that they have the best solutions. So the way that we, uh, in a way, shine is by the fact that we do not, push uh, products to the client. We listen to the client. And we always make sure that whatever we supply, we can support. So we don't sell solutions. Uh, first of all, we call it solutions and not products because we believe that uh, you have to provide a solution to a problem and not just sell a license. Uh, and we make sure, of course, that the customer sees value. So. This is where Performanta uh, shine in many cases where we were talking with clients that, you know, they were working with one vendor and they paid a lot of money on the solution. Uh, they haven't seen uh, what they were promised. And basically when we come and look into the integration on the, on how the solution work, uh, runs in the network on the endpoints, they were utilizing about 20% of the product capabilities. And everyone in this industry knows that to change a product or to change a solution is very costly. So another vendor comes and basically offer uh, almost the same that they are getting now in a bit, and they uh, and they are happy, but they can actually get much more from the solution that they have. So we had a couple of cases where we actually went to the client and said, you know what, before you change the solution, give us an opportunity to uh, do an L check, understand your environment better, and come with uh, a program to improve. We are so sure yet that you will see value that this is the cost. You will not pay anything until you see that value. And of course, we show that value because we found solutions. So uh, many of uh, the resellers in the market or even the vendors will do the effort to make sure that the product, well, in most cases, to make sure that the product is installed, that it does something, and then they will leave. Uh, I must say the challenge is also with the clients that expect to pay for the solution and not, not always for the professional services. And this is why also as a company, we a few years ago, and I must admit that this helps us a lot in during COVID days, we started with the managed services element. So we take in full responsibility. This is also why uh, we are talking, uh, so our slogan is from the aware to secure to safe, 
where the idea is that, dear Mr. Customer, you, you are working in, I don't know, in the insurance industry, deal with your day-to-day -day business operation, let us handle your security. And we will make sure that you will see value from the products that you invested in. Okay, and, and, and I really believe that that's, that's what makes performance a difference because we, we love projects that uh, have integration with the business, integration with, you know, the stakeholders. Uh, we, we can do, you know, the normal uh, firewall installation or whatever that uh, it's just, you know, uh, put a plug on something, but uh, we, we do love this why the MDR side, the data governments and protection, the privileged accounts and identity management, uh, this is entrenched into the business. And this is where customers uh, usually invest a lot of money and have to see value. And we, we are happy to, to show that value to them. Now, innovation is a part of your role and kind of pretty crucial to the security industry itself. How do you come up with ways to innovate? So it's very easy. You need to listen. Okay, so listen to employee challenges, listen to client challenges, uh, having a chat. Uh, with the experts uh, that we have and see if we can come with something. Uh, you know, we, I created something in the, in, 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 we work with Microsoft Teams, so I created something that we call the Innovation Hub, where people can actually uh, put ideas. I must say, I actually took it from uh, when I worked in IBM. Uh, that was a program globally that people can actually offer some innovations. And, uh, and we encourage people to actually uh, do something because at the end of the day, that makes their life easier and potentially uh, make them even more passionate. I have employees that are uh, working on some uh, innovation programs, uh, which you see the excitement. And, and uh, we, for example, developed a product internally, which, uh, uh, which we called Call. Uh, initially, the, the the innovation of that program, I I, I must say, I, I, admit I wasn't part of that. Uh, it it was done uh, before I took the role. But uh, basically, the the idea behind it was uh, to support ourselves. So we were looking into managed services, and we had to provide reports to clients on a monthly basis, and. Uh, and we had so many systems to look at, and we basically had consultants and engineers sitting uh, for days or weeks to create that report every month. And we say we are spending actually a lot of time, sometimes actually being in loss because we are doing it. Uh, we definitely missing some stuff. Can we create a platform that actually will provide us a single uh, pane of glass where we can actually get information from all the uh, security controls that we are working on and also actually being able to correlate and, and issue a report. So with one click, you can get a report. Uh, it's an award format and you can look in, into that. And we, so we did it internally and we saved by that a lot of uh, resources and a lot of work and, and the reports actually became much better because the system can correlate between the different uh, applications. And then we presented it uh, to clients as part of our managed services offering. 
And in some cases they said, well, we have a contract still running for the next two years, but we really like the product. Do you sell it? And I'm like, no, it's internal. Why not? And then we actually did a spin-off, and now we have a startup of our own that uh, provide this uh, technology. And this is really came from just how can we uh, provide a better service with, le with less effort? That's, that's all about innovation. Amazing. Now, you you were finalists at the Cybersecurity Awards this year. You've won twice before, so, and I know you win a lot of other awards as an organization. Why do you think it is that you keep winning all these awards as a company? I think because we are bringing something different, and of course, so we need to ask the judges. But, <laughs> uh, so as I said, you know, uh, we are bringing something different because we have commitment to our clients and vendors uh, to provide value. Uh, we have a saying that uh, we are looking to, you know, there are many customers that are talking about customer success. They are looking into customer delight. And I know it uh, sounds like a cliche, et cetera, but uh, really we, we are looking how we can make a difference. And, and you know, we are, it's also the things that we are doing. So when people ask me, what is Performanta? And I said, to be honest, uh, we are a provider of managed services, but uh, we are a reseller, and we like to call us the value-added reseller. We are providing consulting. We are providing professional services. We are providing managed services, and now we are providing solutions. So we are all of that, but we are still uh, focusing on what the customer wants, and therefore we are adaptable. Uh, the transformation that we did also uh, in the last few years, I think, uh, gave us a few points because uh, we didn't have the managed services and we understood that we need to work uh, with the customer on a journey and the managed services is a massive part of it because we can take the loads uh, from a client. We can potentially help them with the challenges of uh, uh, the lack of uh, skilled resources in the market. Resources do exist. Usually people say a lack of resources. There are a lot of resources in the market. The challenge is with skill resources. Uh, so by using the many services that we provide and the transformation that we did is definitely something that uh, I think makes a difference. And I must say, I took, uh, I saw something with from a completely different industry and, and I adopted it. Uh, the message was we are big enough to deliver and small enough to care. And I think that summarized performance. Now we end each podcast with 10 quick fire questions. So sure. are you ready? I am. What turns you on professionally? Uh, passion and dedication. What turns you off professionally? Politics. How do you unwind? Uh, time with my family and watching movies. What profession other than your own would you like to try? Teacher. What activity gives you the most energy? Uh, talking with my clients and my employees. Who is your biggest inspiration? My dad. If you had to present a speech right now, what one word would be its subject? Delight. 
you are at your best when you're doing what? I will say the same as uh, giving me more synergy, talking with uh, clients and employees. If today was the last day of your life, what one lesson would you impart? Uh, find the family work-life balance. It's important. And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say as the reason he is letting you through the gates? Hearing. Brilliant. Well, thank you. Um, and I like that that lesson, you know, about, about work, work family balance. It feels like that's a big topic for this year. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For the latest episodes, please subscribe. And for future conversations, reach out on Twitter and LinkedIn.